0: Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Adomni, Adomni, the easy way to sell billboards online out-of-home in your hands. Today's guest is Ian Dallimore. Ian is Director of Digital Growth at Lamar Advertising, where he focuses on the growth in programmatic advertising, data attribution, and mobile. Ian also serves as chairman of the OAA Innovations Committee. He is a stand-up paddleboarder, father of triplets, and a one-time director of marketing for a minor league baseball team. Welcome to the show, Ian. Hey, Dave.
1: How's it going today?
0: Just great, thanks. Ian, talk about how you got involved in out-of-home advertising.
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting story. I'm actually entering my 14th year with Lamar Advertising, which is my only stint in the out-of-home space. As a kid, I actually loved cutting out images from magazines. Most specifically, I I love the old Absolute campaigns where they would turn the Absolute vodka bottles into uh, different places and people around the world. I remember those. Those were amazing. Yeah. So what I would do is actually my brother and I would cut them out and hang them on our walls. So I guess you could say by the age of seven, I was a bill poster, And I kind of come from a unique background. My dad was a, a photographer and salesperson, and my mom was in the medical side. And so I like to say it's a nice mix between technology and creativity. And then I worked in minor league baseball, and I've always kind of had this passion for, for just visual, impactful things. And then I met a guy by the name of Tommy Teeple. Most of your, your listeners probably know well, he's our CMO and And just a legend in the the industry. And that's kind of where I started my career. And here I am today. Wow.
0: Now you, among other things, one of your jobs is to grow the automated spend at Lamar, the programmatic spend. Jonathan Gadai, I had him on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said he thinks the out-of-home buy is going to triple in the next five years. Your CEO, Sean Riley, is on record as saying he thinks out-of-home Programmatic will make a contribution, a significant contribution to earnings. I think he threw out eight to 10 million in this year. What has to happen for the programmatic out of home buy to increase significantly from where it's at today?
1: I would agree with Jonathan's statement. It has to change the way because it's the way all medium is being purchased. You're not seeing people any longer sending over IOs for a a banner ad. We're past those days. And I think data has a lot to do with that. The way that we think about it at Lamar is think about booking air travel years ago. You know, you started with a travel agent, then we had the likes of like Orbitz and other platforms. And then now you just go to Delta.com. That's where we're building towards that path. And we also put a heavy focus on is that we're not cannibalizing existing out-of-home budgets. And what I mean by that is we want to go after those digital agencies that are buying mobile, that are buying social and online and search and making sure that it's a new growth opportunity. And we're complementing the existing out-of-home campaigns that are being purchased by our friends at the out-of-home specialist agency. The other thing for growth is there has to be continuous continued education of the Idaho medium when we're having conversations with different DSPs, demand side platforms and digital agencies, they have not a clue about out of home, but you know, it's the same audience that you're following on devices from leaving your home to going to work or leaving work and going to the gym. There's typically a digital out of home sign that can correlate and be a part of that consumer's journey and we honestly feel that that is why we will see these drastic growths. You know, we know that Research shows that out-of-home lifts foot traffic by an average of 68% when it's combined with social media. So we know that these buys cannot be done alone. And out-of-home is starting to play a pivotal role in that programmatic world that so many dollars are going towards today.
0: Ian I've heard there have been some fairly big buys we're talking I don't know even in a in a seven figure buy that have gone out using programmatic out of home have we seen some major buys executed so far
1: Yeah we have and and the unique thing in the perception that the industry has about programmatic is, oh, it's fake, it's really just automation. And we're truly living in a world where digital agencies are spending these six, seven figure campaigns and they're doing it through real-time data and they're bidding in real time and they're using real data to show and play on out of home just as they do with the mobile device. So we've really started to normalize the playing field and now we fit in the world of data with mobile, with online and out of home. And the other misconception is, is these buys are only being done at top five DMA levels. As most of your listeners know, Lamar goes deep into 200 DMA. And we're seeing a ton of buys that, again, are in the 100 plus DMAs because, again, the data shows that these are the markets, these are locations that highest index towards a, a, a specific plan. So it's exciting for us because we become a part of this world now. And it's honestly the day to day thing that, that we focus on.
0: What are some of the everyone talks about? Programmatic buying is a risk being a race to the bottom. What disciplines do you use to make sure that out of home, using programmatic doesn't just become a race to the bottom?
1: That's a great comment because that is another misconception. I think where we're different than online is there's literally infinite space in the online world. And out of home, there's around 9,000 total screens in our industry, in our space. So having full control over pricing is something that we, we focus on even on the open exchange where it's not vendor specific we still have control on those floor CPMs and we're making sure that those floor CPMs are higher than we traditionally get and then obviously once we get to the PMP private marketplace deals or premium guaranteed deals you know again because we're using data the CPMs are are significantly higher so most importantly is just the ability for us to control rate Mm -hmm. and to have that as a very important focus. Okay.
0: Lamar seems to be using a little different strategy. It seems to be a little more willing to use multiple programmatic out-of-home vendors maybe than out front or clear channel. Can you talk a little about that and how can an out-of-home company use vendors productively when it's trying to develop automated out-of-home buying?
1: About seven years ago, Lamar became the first large format digital company to partner with a programmatic company, and that being Vistar Media, and still a partner today. The important thing that it allowed for us is to learn a lot. We established the partnerships, but also what we were able to do is actually build out tools and to collaborate with... The likes of Vistar. And we continue to do that today with our other partners, Place Exchange, Hive Stack, and Broadsign Reach. And it's important for us to help be a part of that path. As they continue to grow, they better understand the at-of-home medium, you know, Lamar being 117 plus years old, you know, we know a couple of things that they may not be aware of. So the collaboration is drastically important. And it's a completely different space for us being able to, to listen and learn. It is something that's new when it comes to programmatic, as opposed to us traditionally being, well, we're the largest outdoor company. This is the way we've always done it. Today, we take the approach of we have multiple partners. And rather than building out our own platform, we allow the sales reps at a lot of these great SSPs like Place Exchange, like Vistar, and allow them to be the experts at selling the medium. And we come in alongside them at the media vendor days. And we talk about the importance of of out-of-home in this omni-channel world. The last thing that I'll say is that it allows us to do more than just make money. It allows us to better understand where this programmatic world is going and allows us to better have control on where we fit in that world.
0: Mm-hmm. Sean Riley has mentioned that one of your vendors is trying to solve the problem about how to bring programmatic to static billboards. Do you ever see a programmatic coming to the static business as opposed to just digital? I think we're a ways out from that, but it is something to think about because, again,
1: for a digital company that's representing these brands, to them, it's really about the, the demographic and the audience and where that audience is. So obviously today they're using our medium to play based on time of day and down to the minute on when to bid on specific out of home at. But there may be a time and day in the future where, where they have the ability to come in and, and say, hey, this panel highest index is towards my audience XYZ and why not? I mean, I always jokingly say internally that you, know, you can tell Alexa that you ran out of cereal and the next morning there'll be an Amazon Prime box at your door with cereal. So why why couldn't we do the same with a static vinyl and have it shipped and posted within 24 hours?
0: Wow. Geofencing seems to be a big topic of discussion in out-of-home. Give a short course on what geofencing is and why it's important to out-of-home. Sure. So I'll go down to the elementary level.
1: Geofencing is basically the use of mobile GPS technology to create a virtual geography boundary, then giving the ability to trigger an in app advertising on a mobile device. In the advertising world, and as it relates to our industry, billboards is the way that we focus on it is creating and giving lats and longs of a specific brand's campaign, and then identifying behavioral patterns of that consumer or points of interest to say that anonymous device ID that drove past that panel was exposed to that Wendy's chicken tender ad, when that device goes to a competitive a Chick-fil-A, then let's serve them a Wendy's ad again, and increase in the reach and increasing the awareness of that Wendy's ad and offer.
0: Uh, and has Lamar actually used geofencing in some campaigns?
1: Yeah, we've been playing in that space for almost eight years now. And it's important to us because, and it should be important to the industry to adopt because it's It is our space, right? Mm -hmm. We're experts in the out-of-home space and the consumer on the go. And what it allows and why it's so important is what it allows is the ability to have an extension beyond the out-of-home campaign. You know, we're now one to targeted medium, but the mobile world is still one-to-one. So how can we have that? campaign on that ad, then translate over to a mobile ad where you can make that purchase for that music festival. And I'm happy to talk about a few campaigns if you're...
0: Let's come back to that in just a second. Let me take a break here to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Adomni. Adomni increases your billboard revenue by selling unsold ad space at top dollar. Whether you have WatchFire, for Mitco or Daktronics billboards, Adomni easily integrates. Get started selling in as little as one business day, on the fastest growing out-of-home network of over 60,000 digital screens. Visit Adomni.com or call 844-ADOMNI to speak with an Adomni Billboard Specialist. Mention this Billboard Insider podcast, receive one free year of Adomni's white-labeled booking engine on your website. Ian, why don't you talk about a couple successful geofencing campaigns Lamar's executed? Sure, and for us, it's really
1: not about the clicks. It's more about the engagement and what happens after that consumer. So we recently and continue to have done quite a few of these campaigns. QSR client. QSR, break that out. What's that acronym? Quick Service Restaurant. Perfect. Yeah, so we had a quick service restaurant and they bought traditional posters in the market, not digital, static posters. That's another misconception of using geofencing. It doesn't have to be digital out of home. It could be any format. And what we did was is, We had a brand message for a new product that was being offered at this QSR, and we identified the lats and longs of those locations, but then we also identified competitive stores to that QSR that also offered a similar product. And what we wanted to do was determine and serve ads after the consumer was exposed to that out-of-home ad, and when that consumer went to a competitive location And or we identified some other points of interest that was relevant to the product, such as moms with two plus kids and health conscious consumers. So we geofenced schools. We also geofenced gyms and yoga studios. So when that device, anonymous device, was exposed to the out-of-home and then went to the gym, they would get served that ad very similar in creative to what they'd seen on the out-of-home location. And we had, for that specific campaign, we had over 249% click-through rate above industry average. Wow. What was important about this campaign was more than the click, because a QSR clicking on an ad really doesn't mean anything other than just in the reach. The most important part was the ability to measure, or what's called attribution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We were then able to say, of those consumers that were exposed to the out-of-home ads... For that QSR, how many of those anonymous device IDs ended up at that store QSR location? And in this campaign, we had over 6,600 people, or what we call the verified walk-in.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, talk also about mobile, how you integrate mobile. It sounds like this is a little bit of how you're doing it as you're combining a mobile ad with a geofence around a client store or a competitor store. How else can you use Integrate Mobile into an out-of-home campaign? I think it's important that out-of-home is always the driving
1: factor, and that's that's the most important thing. There's multiple ways that you can use this. The campaign I just mentioned was considered geoconquesting, so serving ads at a competitive location. There's the ability to utilize behavioral. We actually did a campaign for a music festival that was promoting the different acts that were going to be performing at the festival on the digital out of home and then behaviorally retarget. And what that means is identifying devices that went behaviorally to certain locations. So for this festival, we identified different concert venues and different bars that have live music and we would serve the same creative, but the ability for them to click and purchase a ticket. So the ability to see an increase in click-throughs and tickets sold was important for that specific client. And then lastly, the ability to actually use the device. So I know a lot of your consumers maybe have transit assets or or have other place-based networks where consumers can interact with ads. And there's a number of ways, whether it's uh, beacon technology, old-school QR codes... To where you could physically take the device and maybe while you're at that bus shelter, you could tap or scan to interact deeper with that ad beyond just seeing that static bus shelter ad or maybe place-based ad.
0: Wow. Wow. You have talked about privacy at some industry functions. Can you share with us some recent government privacy initiatives and how they might impact out of home?
1: Yeah, so the obvious is GDPR, which is basically what's happening in Europe. And honestly, it, it really doesn't have a much of an impact on us in the U.S. The biggest one is the, the California Privacy Act. And that will and does have an impact in the online and mobile world. But I, I will have to say this. I'm extremely proud of the industry, the way that we've handled data. I think Kim Frank at Geopath, as well as Nancy Fletcher, has done an amazing job as industry leaders to make sure that we're asking the right questions to the different vendors that are coming in, the data providers, the mobile providers, and making sure that the data that we're collecting or interacting with with our campaigns and with our research doesn't talk at the individual level. It's all anonymous. So I think the industry has done an amazing job of that. The other thing to kind of be cautious about is in the world of, of out of home, it's it would be so easy to just sit there and collect data as that consumer's driving or walking past your inventory. I know the industry, again, has done a great job of staying far away from that. And I would applaud the agency side of the world, too. I think the industry as a whole has done a great job of vetting out any type of fraudulent activity that could surface in our space.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems like there is a real risk because out of home is is big and public. It's one thing to serve a tailored ad to a country music fan about a country music festival to their phone. It's another thing to serve an ad tailored to an individual to a big digital sign. I mean, it's been, I, I remember somebody saying at an industry convention, no one wants a rash cream advertisement to follow me down the street, down Fifth Avenue. It seems like it's just because out of home is big and public and visible, Privacy issues are huge. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Ian, you are, I think, one of the more savvy out-of-home executives with respect to social media. Can you talk a little bit about how an out-of-home company can use it? It seems like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, that's maybe the big four. What's your opinion about how an out-of-home company can effectively use each of the four pieces of social media?
1: I'm at this stage of my career where I get to tell old stories and I'll tell the old story how we first at Lamar integrated Twitter into our digital, large format digital out of home. The short of the story, Ashton Kutcher, model, actor, just a cool guy, was on Larry King years and years ago and basically on CNN and said, look, I bet you I can race to a million followers, get a million followers on Twitter before you and whomever wins will donate a million dollars to your favorite charity. So we got wind of this and myself and one of my counterparts said that would be really cool if we would stream Ashton Kutcher's tweets live to the board. Our team built out a code and was able to capture through an RSS feed Ashton Kutcher's live tweets. And long story short, today, locally and nationally, we're streaming live tweets to billboards. I know we currently have a a really cool campaign running with Cheetos where we're streaming live tweets in real time about people's interacting. So, again... The ability to continue the conversation with social media, I think is extremely important because we're not sitting there on our devices, or at least hopefully we are, and just scrolling down Twitter all day. You know, How does a brand amplify and continue that conversation and the ability for Cheetos to say, hey, this is what people are thinking about our brand. So mm-hmm. it's almost like user-generated content. Mm-hmm. My other favorite one is, and it's very simplistic, is just the use of Instagram. I mean, Instagram is literally the social out-of-home.
0: And am I right? If you do that right, use Instagram, you can take an out-of-home campaign and you can, in essence, make it go viral via social media sharing, and a client hasn't had to pay for any of that.
1: Exactly. You know, for digital out of home, it's very simple, just like Twitter. You know, you can have a specific promotion, whether it be Coke and share a Coke, and you take a picture of yourself sharing a Coke with a friend, streaming that live to the board, or our friends at Colossal, the hand paint company. I think the way that they're doing it is phenomenal. You know, this is an old school classic company that's hand painting, and they have so many of their campaigns that just go viral because you know people in New York are like man this is really a really cool paint job really cool campaign and they'll literally provide added value beyond just the out of home campaign and more importantly beyond New York i've seen a lot of their campaigns just go absolutely viral global where people are talking about a hand paint that happened you know in Brooklyn i know the the statistic says that when you combine out of home with social it increases by 68%. So again, we're visual people. When we see a brand on a billboard, the first thing or in this statistic, 68% of people exposed go straight to their device and look up that brand on Instagram. So the ability to flip it back and have it stream back to the board, the interactions I think is massively important. So that's Twitter and Instagram. How about Facebook? You know, Facebook, the same thing, the ability to use images. There's a little bit more privacy behind Facebook. So I know Lamar personally has stayed out of Facebook a tad. They often change out their technology purposely. So, really, Twitter and Instagram are kind of the big two. We've played with other sites, whether it's LinkedIn, but those two have kind of really been the dominant mm-hmm. play in our space.
0: Lamar did some really interesting dynamic programming during the last Super Bowl. The Crown Royal campaign is, I guess, what I'm thinking about. Talk about that campaign, Ian, because that was really a very interesting campaign. The folks at Crown Royal
1: and, and the agency Poster Scope came to us and they're very familiar with our, our dynamic capabilities. And what they wanted to do was truly have a conversation down to the market, to the fan level. So we're running across all NFL markets. And I know some of our friends at Clear Channel and Outfront were a part of this pie as well, where we were literally, depending on the market, In New Orleans, we're streaming live scores for the New Orleans Saints. In Boston, we're streaming live scores. And the unique thing, again, is if you think about it, there's a game on Thursday night, there's a game Sunday at noon, a three o'clock game, a Sunday night game, a Monday night game. So there's a lot of dynamic capabilities that go into it. But again, because of the industry and where we've come and the ability to just tap into simple data, we were able to run seamlessly across three different huge vendors and to be able to seamlessly run live scores across all NFL markets without having to touch anything. The other unique things that kind of played in were conditional. So based on how the game was performing, if a team was blowing out another team by more than three touchdowns, the content would then switch over to take a water break. If the team won, it would then switch over to getting home safe. So it was a truly dynamic campaign that also incorporated YouTube into the campaign itself where real-time YouTube commercials were playing during the NFL game that, where the referee would come out, throw a flag and say, hey, time to take a water break. And those were also kind of timed with the digital out of home. So it's a lot of fun. And it's kind of where my passion is, is we're using data and technology to mix in creative. And that campaign is one of many that we've done as an industry that was just beautifully done.
0: Wow. As we close, Ian, if you could communicate one thing to out home clients and ad agencies, what would it be?
1: Yeah, so our medium has the ability to tell a story every day and now even every minute of the day. So brands are able to be more impactful, not just before purchase and not right on that consumer's commute, maybe to the, the grocery store, but it also can help shape the decisions throughout that consumer's journey so and throughout the day you could actually tell a story about your brand whether it's utilizing social media or utilizing real time weather triggers to really tell that story so my point is is utilizing dynamic digital capabilities where the only medium that can truly talk to a consumer at a relevant real time with creative. And again, some recent research that we've seen and shared with us, it showed that when digital out of home campaigns use dynamic creative, it increases the overall effectiveness by 48%. And this was the awesome two stats that I'll leave you guys with, is 60% more memorable impact the brand had when they use dynamic content, and 85% spontaneous awareness when they incorporated some type of creative element based on real-time triggers. I'll actually be moderating a panel at the OAAA conference with uh, Dan Dawson at Grand Visual He's the chief creative technology officer and Martin Porter, who's the SVP of managing director at PosterScope. And we're actually going to be talking about this. And the the session's called creating a mind-blowing consumer experience. And we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And we're actually going to do, Dave, is actually take the audience and have them interact with us. And we're actually going to create a real-life campaign during that session. Wow.
0: Not to be missed. Not to be missed. That's it for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Ian. Thank you. This podcast was sponsored by Adomni, Adomni, the easy way to sell billboards online out of home in your hands. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back in a couple weeks.